this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back this week with another round table, although this one is more of a square based on the uh, the number of participants in our discussion. Previously, we had discussed the movie soundtracks of the 1990s, but this week we're going to the small screen, Jay, and we're talking about TV soundtracks of the 1990s. Are you excited? I am. This is a tough one. How so? A lot more work involved with this one. Oh, well, yeah, because you got a lot more to listen to. Well, there's right. more to listen to, and... They're even more difficult to get. Yeah. <laughs> or at least listen to the to complete uh, the complete records now. They're just uh, either out of print or in streaming. A lot of the material is uh, not available in the context of the record. You have to hunt around and piece it together. Yeah, a lot of these look like government documents that have been redacted. Like there's just songs yeah. missing from the Spotify <laughs> and uh, Apple you know playlists and stuff like that. So yeah, unless you have a CD of these. Um, you're you're kind of missing some of the tunes. So to help us fill in the blanks, give their opinions, we've got a couple of guys who have been on our show before. They've come back. They're going to help us out with talking about these TV soundtracks from the 90s. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, not t- too far from you, Jay, Mr. Eric Grubbs. Welcome back, Eric. Hello. You know, having those soundtracks is another reason to hold on to your CDs. Yes, which you just wrote about over at themeparkexperience.blogspot.com. Just great yes, tie-in there. Yes. Great tie-in. Yeah. I, I mean, it was it was just kind of this thing about, like, we're talking about soundtracks, and so many of them, I was, like, looking on, the like, the Friends soundtrack, and, like, there are three or four key tracks that are not on it because of various rights issues, and it's like, well, you don't have that problem if you have the CD. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Exactly. And how many people bought the Friends soundtrack in the 90s and then sold it at some point in the 2000s? There are a billion of them floating around out there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So easily, people. Probably at your local half-price books, you can pick it up for $2 in the clearance section. Not that uh, not that hard to find. And you get some pretty good songs on there. We'll talk about them later. Uh, joining us from... Joe, where are you? I, for- I forget. Is it Maine? I'm in... You might as well say Portland, Maine. It's a suburb of Portland, Maine. So a, por- a suburb enough. of Portland, Maine. Mr. Joe Royland, the uh, the man who runs Sit and Spin with Joe, the YouTube. Experience. How's it going, guys? It's going well. Welcome back. Hey, thanks. And I actually, as I told you, uh, I think in the email, I actually still have pretty much all but one of the ones you had listed in your email. The only uh, one I don't still have on CD is the, for whatever reason, it's the My So-Called Life soundtrack. But uh, between my record store days and music journalism days, I still have promo copies of all of these soundtracks on CD. That's Sad but true. Wow. I'm surprised you don't have the My So-Called Life one. I I either, I, I misplaced it or somebody borrowed it from me and never gave it back. But that's the only one I don't have. For some reason, I could not find it. Hmm. Well, before we get into the soundtracks, we did have some comments. Um, I want to read from our Patreon page, which you can join us over at Patreon by going to www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out to become a patron. We have 22 of 27 slots filled at the 250 level. That's the level to get you a review after 12 months. There's plenty of spots at the $1 donation level, which gets you bonus content like the recent afghan wigs uh bonus episode we did debate it was more like more like a mike tyson uh buster douglas uh fight well no that's not true um what's what's one that's evenly matched i'm trying to think of a fight that was uh that went like all 12 rounds or how many rounds are in boxing i don't even riddick bow and evan uh evander holyfield there we go that's what it was and there was it was a draw, right, Jay? <laughs> no, I kicked your ass. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I went into that uh, thinking that I was like, "Well, Tim likes music. This will go easy. We'll we'll see it eye to eye on this." Sure. Uh, people, if you want to know what he's talking about, you got to join us over at Patreon to hear it. At the one dollar level, one dollar level, you get all our backstage bonus content. Uh, so go ahead and do that. 
So Tara McCook said, good grief. Are these ever time capsule records for good and for bad? The Dawson's Creek one in particular is pure mainlined 1999 in all its glory. I think a good thing to discuss Mm -hmm. in this conversation is the concept of trying too hard. So many of these albums are just a mishmash collection of everything, quote unquote, teens would find would find, quote unquote, cool with any real without any real regard to connecting to the narrative of the story. Some are great, some not so much. It'll be a rich conversation, I'm sure. And then Darren Leach says, if I have to hear the Friends theme again, I'll shoot myself. So (laughs) a variety of comments from our Patreon uh, subscribers. Now, Joe, you had mentioned the My So-Called Life soundtrack, and I feel like that's the one that, besides Friends, because Friends obviously had the huge theme song, with I'll be there by I'll be there for you by the um, Rembrandts. I feel like a lot of people probably would recognize the My Soul Called Life one um, because the song integrate or the the TV show integrated music into the show in a way that maybe some of these other shows didn't. But it was interesting because this didn't come out until '95, which I was thinking that My Soul Called Life was much earlier in the decade for some reason, but it wasn't. There was actually shows like we're going to mention like. Beverly Hills 90210. That was years before, and it had a soundtrack. Whether it was as successful or not, is we'll get into. Two soundtracks. Yeah, two. two soundtracks. That's right, because you had the high school years. <laughs> oh, my God. And the college years, that, the all-important college correct. years for Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, starting with you, uh, we're going to have a bunch of different questions that we're going to ask. Um, we all revisited uh, as many as we could. I'm sure that there were some that we didn't get to, and that's okay, but we can peruse the track listing and get an idea of of what was on there um some of it might comes flashing back from listening to it 20 years ago um joe starting with you what soundtrack that you revisited you thought hey this actually really works as a collection of songs um these it doesn't sound dated it sounds like a good mix and uh, works for you after all this time that's tough because they all sound a bit dated <laughs> uh but the two that still work for me just throwing them on and listening to them were uh believe it or not the melrose place soundtrack and uh the buffy because just a good collection of artists uh the buffy the vampire slayer soundtrack and, and uh the my so-called life which i kind of had to piecemeal together from uh because i you know, couldn't find it on spotify and uh i just had to kind of find the songs and go yeah this is this is pretty good mix of tunes yeah and I, I, we can discuss this a little bit more, but the Melrose Place soundtrack is surprisingly more diverse than I would have imagined. I don't know if you guys yeah. felt that way. I was expecting it to be a bit more pop, and it's got like Dinosaur Jr. and Urge Overkill and Seed and Letters to Cleo and Paul Westerberg. Westerberg, I mean, yep. It's a, it's a really diverse little time capsule there, and I do agree that it's one of the better ones. I was really shocked going back. Uh, what about you, uh, Eric? You know, here's my thing. I think the Friends soundtrack still hold up pretty well. Mm -hmm. Uh, The My So-Called Life soundtrack, I got to say this. um, I didn't watch My So-Called Life, but just going over the track listing, you know, as as Joe said, piecemealing it. You know, a lot of that music is, I think, like Buffalo Tom's music gets better with age. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to kiss ass here because I know Bill Janowitz has been on, on this show. It's just like. You know, the the music was it was special then and it didn't seem like it felt like, oh, you had to be a 90s teenager to like this. The thing about the Friends soundtrack is that to a certain degree, there's a di- there's a dated quality to it uh, in the sense of like, you know, like this is what 20, 30 somethings were into. But like, you know, that song, I'll be there for you. It doesn't sound like a 90s you know, grunge song. It sounds like just a power pop song. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I would say those soundtracks really stuck out to me. And also, you know, the Buffy, Va- Buffy, the vampire slayer, which nerf herder did the theme song to Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's, that's held up very well to me. Yeah. And you got stuff like guided by voices on that soundtrack. Like what, what teenager was listening to guided by voices in the nineties, you know, 20 somethings. Yeah. But teenagers, I don't think so. Yeah, uh, people that had parents that worked for Reprise and Warner Brothers. That's who. <laughs> Someone tell me why I act like a fool when things don't go my way. 
it's always funny to watch like any TV show at like say Friday Night Lights, and you know you see like you know Matt Saracen likes piebald and hey mercedes i'm like i don't think he's ever heard of them living in that that small little town but yeah <laughs> that's neither here nor there We're, let's get back to the 90s let's get back to the 90s uh jay <laughs> revisiting yes what'd you like i felt that the my so-called life soundtrack is the one that held it together as a record you said you know kind of was cohesive the songs go together mm-hmm. they they make sense there's a couple areas where it goes off um, a little bit, like Frente. Um, but for the most part, I think the material on that really um, complements each other well. It's only 11 songs. Um, I will echo the other standouts were Buffy and um, Melrose Place, which I was with you guys. I had never listened to that, uh, but found uh, when I did look at it that it had a lot of um, – either artists or material that I was familiar with. Um, so I, I did find myself um, liking the the soundtracks that, that had artists I knew. You know, I, it was hard to uh, listen to them with fresh ears. I was sort of going in biased saying, oh, Dinosaur Jr., cool. And I like them. So, you know, so it, uh, it was hard to evaluate it from that standpoint. But those were the three that uh, that definitely stood out to me. Well, I'm going to echo what has been mentioned, which is that my so-called life is sort of it's a well-rounded encapsulation of of the 90s and of the, you know, it's all good songs by the artists. There's no like things that you think, oh, well, they, they just threw this away. So this is why it ended up on a soundtrack and not on an album. Um, Melrose was the one that I wasn't expecting to be good. So. That was one that uh, I was happy to find. Um, I one that didn't get mentioned that I I like and I still like to this day is the X Files soundtrack. Um, it's called uh, With like songs the Foo in the Fighters key. on it. Yeah, it's songs in the key yep. of X, and it's got the Foo Fighters covering uh, Gary Newman down in the park, and it's got a yeah. um, oh a soul coughing song on Mark Telecopters. It's got Nick Cave. I mean, it's got it's got a really cool collection of songs. Meat Puppets, Danzig. Uh, who else is on there? Uh, Frank Black. Filter. Yeah. The Cure. Elvis Costello and Brian Eno. But then it's got weird stuff too, like Cheryl Crow and PM Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's got some weird and, stuff. And actually, uh, I was going to say that, uh, like the Cheap Trick '97 now, or it, yeah, '97 album. Uh, there is a hidden track on that record in the same place on the CD. It's actually, you have to start at the beginning of the album, hit pause, and then kind of like rewind back. And there's a hidden track at the beginning of the album that you don't get unless you do that. I think it's a Rob Zombie song. I'm not sure, but, uh, but there is a hidden track on that X-Files album. It's the, um, it's Nick Cave and the dirty three, isn't it? That's the hidden track. I forget who it is. Uh, yeah, because Rob well, Zombie. Well, and, it might be. Yeah, Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. Because this cave in the bad seeds. <laughs> I'm just looking, keep talking over each other. I, I'm looking at the. Well, they do. They do red right hand. That's tra- that's track eight. Yeah. Oh. That's with the bad seeds. Yeah. The right. dirty. The dirty three. The one he does with the dirty three is the is the hidden track. That's it. Yep. Um, but yeah, I've liked that um, one since it came out. So. I'm a fan. I'm noticing Sarah McLaughlin is on this record, and I believe she was on at least three others that I reviewed for this show. Um, <laughs> what is, what what is the story there? Wait, are you looking at the the movie soundtrack or the TV soundtrack? Because there's also a movie soundtrack for I think it's I am called... looking at music from the music from the television show. Uh, it is track. Where'd it go? Where'd she go? That I oh no track twelve the song is called Black. Hmm. It's after not on my CD. No, it's Danzig. Really? Deep. Yeah. Huh. iTunes has it or Apple has it listed. Because uh... the TV soundtrack is called Songs in the Key of X, music from and inspired by the X Files. Holy yeah. smokes! Okay, so what am I looking at? You might be looking, probably at, looking at the movie, movie soundtrack. soundtrack. Yeah. It, no, it says music from the television series. Hmm. It's got filter one, 
It's got Foo Fighters walking after you. That sounds oh, like the movie soundtrack. That's yeah, wrong. that's the movie soundtrack. Because the uh, Foo Fighters version has Taylor Hawkins on drums uh, doing a re-recording of uh, Walking After You from Color and the Shape. Well, Apple's got to get their shit together because they have the wrong information on this record. Revisionist history, that's what's going on. <laughs> it does say 2012, so. No. But, uh, oh, yeah, I see series. what you're saying. Yeah, this that's the X-Files, the album for the movie that was released. Was it called Fight the Future? No, that's or that's the second movie. Well, I I want to believe was the first film. This I want, to, yeah. This is, this is we're getting into the. Uh, All right, so which which one is the TV the one you're talking about? Songs then? in the Key of X. Wow, I have the. Link so this is another. Uh, yeah, the 2008 another. movie was called I Want to Believe. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. But we've covered the X Files. More than we <laughs> okay. But this is part of the this is part of the thing though, right? Like these soundtracks yeah. are like it, it's it, it's complicated. Why is it so complicated? Right. I don't like know, I'm looking at four different X file, sorry, three different X file uh soundtracks on Apple Music, and none of them are the ones you guys are talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it's was, just like there's there was the TV one, there's the movie that came out in the nineties, and then there was a movie that came out in the two thousands. So each of those would probably yeah. have their own yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's other shit. Cause uh, like X-Files was only a couple of seasons in when they had that songs in the key of X. And then there after... was fight the future. The first. Yeah. Yeah. It was after season. Then there five. was fight the future. And, uh, that was the first feature length film. I'm sorry. And the second one was, I want to believe. Yeah. But it's like, but here's kind of the weird thing is like, just trying to remember like what was on the TV show versus on, on the film. It, it's not just X-Files. There are a lot of instances where I was like, oh yeah, that was used in that show. It's like, nope, that was used on the film soundtrack, you know, or like, because mm-hmm. there were, there was a time, especially towards the late nineties where it was like, let's take some fresh face stars from TV put them on in, in a movie more specific. A lot of them were in uh, horror movies and you would have similar sounding soundtracks. So it's easy to blend that all together in your mind. I God. Think. Yes. Like and anything from scream and uh, all, all yeah. those movies that, that scream inspired, like I know yeah. did last summer. And, and it seemed yeah. like there were a lot of on these soundtracks, they were just like B sides. Um, like on, on the, whether it's the friends soundtrack or, or, um, Melrose place, it's just like, these were B sides, but then again, Buffalo Tom had a side stuff on my so-called life. So, but again, it was, it was just the whole thing about how the industry was where it was like, we've got all these artists and we've got all these songs. We've got to put out these soundtracks. I, I can't really remember a previous decade where there were so many soundtracks devoted just to, uh, TV shows, right, right, and plus you had, you also had the instance where some, like you were pointing out, some of these songs are B sides. Some of these songs were used on more than one soundtrack, which gets confusing yeah. too. Like "Red Right Hand" by Nick Cave, which is on the X Files soundtrack, is also on the Scream movie soundtrack, and on the Friends soundtrack, you got the REM song "It's a Free World, Baby." That was also on the Conehead soundtrack, like two years before. So yeah. it's like <laughs> you get the, that makes it confusing too. So like that's how it's kind of all jumbled up in our mind. Yeah, because like you know, sitcoms have always had music on there you know harriet uh, ozzy and harriet you know rick nelson would perform a song you know i'm walking or something or in the 70s you had davy jones sing his hit pop single as a solo single and also he was worked into an, a storyline and but and in the 80s you had on family ties uh at this moment the billy vera and the beaters song you know, it's like that's such an emblematic part of that show's history. But in the 90s, it was just kind of like overload of soundtracks. And I think it started off like right in 1990. And we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. But you know what I mean? Where it's like it just kind of started, you know, with Fox TV shows, you know? Yep. So the Friends soundtrack, we've mentioned that a couple times. Um, one of the things that's unique to that soundtrack is that there's actually clips from the show yeah. included with some of the songs. And uh, what I want to yeah. ask is, um, are there any of these soundtracks that in listening to them, you thought, 
oh, maybe I'll go check out, or, or I have, I remember this show and thought, wow, this soundtrack is actually, is aging better than the TV show itself. Like, listening to those Friends clips, it's like, wow, these are the yeah. best clips that they could pull for the, for the soundtrack. <laughs> this is not funny, or it's not funny to me now. Yeah, but- <clears throat> Yeah, the stuff that Chandler says right after the, you know, I'll be there for you, the 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 short version of it, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, a minute of like the song and then like 10 seconds of, you know, pause. I can imagine on the CD there was a separate track for it, but it's like this just random rant that Chandler goes on and like, that's how you start off the CD. OK, <laughs> yeah. the, the laugh track is painful. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think one thing, too, with the Friends soundtrack is uh, that came out the same year that the show debuted on TV. So you only had, like, one season of clips to draw from. Yeah. Because uh, was, was it, I think, Friends debuted in 95. Yeah. So, and that's when the Friends. And actually, I think. I think there were two soundtracks to the Friends. And I always forget yes. about the second one because uh, I only have, like, a promo copy of it in, like, a little cardboard sleeve. But um, at the time the first one came out, that might be why. It's because they didn't have as much stuff to draw from. That's a good point. Um, still, I, I tried to go back, and you know, sometimes they—it's—it used to be on all the time. Like you could you could turn on a TV and watch Friends on like TNT or TBS or whatever. Not so much anymore. But I've tried to go back and watch, and I do not find that show funny. Maybe I, I wasn't a huge fan back in the '90s. But now I find it as like unfunny as like two broke girls, like which I find that show to be nauseatingly unfunny. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't find that show to be that funny. And it, whereas I think that the show actually, or the the soundtrack is actually like you mentioned is Joe. I think at the beginning is actually pretty pretty decent. And then there was uh, I think they had a, was it the second Friends soundtrack called Friends Again. Yeah, something like that. Because that one has like Smash Mouth and Robbie Williams, <laughs> and it yeah, has some weird ones. <laughs> yeah, it's got um, Deckard. Jay, do you remember that band Deckard? I do. Yeah, they somehow randomly ended what, up. What on were that they show. called? Then they Did were they Baby Chaos. Name? That's right. That's right. Uh, Elsa has Lisa Loeb and Semisonic doing some songs, hmm. but um. Yeah, they, they somehow managed another CD. And then there's one, uh, there's like another soundtrack, which is, it's all party. It's all, I don't know what it is. It's called Friends, the one with all the party music. <laughs> Can you say overkill? Yeah, yeah. I think they kind of milked it a little too much uh, by yeah. that point. Yeah. yeah. But were there other ones where you thought, oh, the show isn't as good as, as maybe the soundtrack ended up? I know... Like Eric, you mentioned that you did not see um, My So-Called Life, but any of the other ones? Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think My So-Called Life was really up my alley because um, it, it seemed like at the time it was a girl show. And I'll also preface this by like a lot of these shows that we're talking about, like 90210, Melrose Place the, from the early as well as Friends. These were shows that my sister watched, and occasionally I'd watch some stuff with her, but I was definitely not an active watcher. Now, here's what's funny. Towards the end of the 90s, when like Dawson's Creek is on, as well as Party of Five, I had a roommate that was all about those shows, and I would just be aware of like the, you know, the music. I would always hear at the end of every episode, tonight's episode of Dawson's Creek featured music from Feeder, Eve Six, and Sixpence None the Richer. I mean, it's like, so I associate it with that kind of time. But uh, as far as like soundtracks that have held up a little bit better than the show, um, I think from from what all I have known about my so-called life, it seems to be like a very go-to show for people, even if uh, you you didn't live through the 90s. It was very much about the teen angst frustration. So like, I wouldn't say like, oh, the soundtrack is better than the show. Um, to a certain extent, I, I hear what you're saying about how Friends isn't as funny as you used to think it was, because, um, you know, you, by the, like the second or third season, you had like very defined characters, and it, it was kind of like they milked that kind of humor till the very end, and right. it's kind of like, you know, 
Like I, I, w- I wouldn't object to hearing good intentions by Toe the Wet Sprocket again. But as far as like, oh, I got to watch another episode of Friends, you know, that's that's mm, yeah, that's not happening. So things won't get better. But it feels like this is gone forever. You have to cry with your own tears, have to laugh. Jay, what about for you? Any of these shows that you watched that you thought uh, the soundtrack aged better? Uh, I only watched. Uh, I watched Friends. I watched Party of Five. I didn't. I haven't watched any of these other shows. Um, I mean, obviously the Melrose play. I haven't gone back and watched Melrose plays, but this soundtrack <laughs> has to have aged better than that show. <laughs> it did. <laughs> like, let's just let's make a safe assumption there. I'll chime in on the friends thing. I, uh, I, I do. I'm with you guys. I well, I'm with with you, Tim. I, I don't get the humor anymore. I thought it was funny when it was on, but now uh, my wife watches it constantly still on re, on syndication, like before bed. And I think there's like I've heard people talk about you know kids getting into it, and so I think they're still finding an audience. It's still obviously in heavy syndication, so. We might be in the minority <laughs> in terms of, I don't know, there's some segment that is still enjoying that show, but uh, it certainly does not, uh, it's not funny to me anymore. Well, it, it seems very much of its time to me. Yeah. Two Broke Girls was on for like five seasons before it got canceled. So clearly I'm in the minority yeah. with most of my humor and what I appreciate yeah, true. in comedy. So Well, it's like talking about Big Bang Theory, you know, I yeah. don't find that show funny whatsoever. Most people I know don't find it funny either, but it seems like the few people that you do know, that's the reason why the show's still on the air. Yep. Yeah. I, I have to say that about pretty much um, most sitcoms from the last 10 or so years or more. Like half the things that people think are great, I, I don't get it at all. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. But I, I don't think, you know, half, half the major sitcoms that have been on in the last decade, I, I could do without ever seeing. So I guess uh, I agree. This might be the last. Uh, this would be the last great era of sitcoms. I mean, we're talking about Seinfeld. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, Friends I, at the time was was pretty damn funny. Was there the, anything after this that was? Yeah, that was I think really the two thousand free TV. Well, I think Seinfeld then led into. You had The Office, and that was on for like seven years, so maybe even longer than that. I mean, The Office was a huge show after the after the first season was like shaky but then after that was a huge show and then that well, the shows around that were uh 30 rock parks and recreation parks and recreation which i yeah. enjoyed all those shows and then they there was something mm-hmm. else that was like pretty big around then but i don't remember um it's always sunny in philadelphia you know i, th- I think now, granted that- but it seemed like it seemed like it, that we're, we're moving towards like cable stuff versus right. you right. know network stuff and, and I think are, that's also important to understand about like the appeal of like, you know, why is CBS still showing sitcoms now? Why is ABC still showing sitcoms? But they're very few. Whereas right. in the eighties and nineties, sitcoms were just like ruled. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine like how Thursday nights on NBC was such a dominant thing from the mid eighties till the end of the nineties because of sitcoms? Cheers. Night Court, uh, The Cosby Show, uh, Seinfeld, <laughs> Friends. I mean, it it it, it was, and, and also like it wings. seemed like when the Cosby Show, in, yeah, Wings. Uh, when the Cosby Show ended, that's when Friends kind of came in and helped elevate that back to a good Thursday night. And I mean, like I don't even know what NBC shows on Thursday now. 
not Probably sitcom. Blacklist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Com- it's the blacklist. I don't yeah, think I could tell you one show on NBC. Period. <laughs> like I have no idea. I'm. Uh, this I is watch- us. Is it? This is us. Is an amazing show. I'll say right. that. Yeah, but it's a drama. Okay. But not really drama, a comedy. Right? Yeah, it's more dramedy. Yeah. Yeah, but it's got some great comedic elements in it. Really good music in it too. Yeah. Um, it is. I agree. It's a. It's probably one of the best like TV shows in general on a major network that I've seen in years. Yeah. But are right those shows, Friday Night shows Night producing soundtracks? Yeah. That's the question that I'm trying to bring it Not yet. around to. <laughs> so. um, no, but like the thing is, is that if if say you looked up This Is Us on Spotify, you could easily find a soundtrack. Right. You know, because like every episode features a song in it, but it's not like how it was in the 90s where, you know, they would always say at the end of each episode, you know, you in, Daw- you know, in this episode of Dawson's Creek, you heard this song and this song and this song, because that was the only way that, uh, kids were going to know about it. These days, right. it's like, pause it, let me start Shazam, and you can find it right away, which is much more convenient and much cooler. Yeah, and back in, I, I will say, like, back in uh, the mid to late 90s and, like, the early days of, like, AOL chat rooms and things, I was the Shazam. Like, people would come in the chat rooms like, hey, what was the song that played in that episode last night? And I was usually the guy who was answering that question for people, believe, sadly, <laughs> but I just, because I would know them, but... yeah. You were yeah, the live I mean, Shazam. Like, you know, pretty much, yeah. And does it seem like a lot of these shows were geared more towards women than men? Am, am, am I being a really, like a really sexist asshole and asking that? But it seemed like these were shows like, you know, this is what, what my older sister liked. Whereas, like, for me, I mean, I was still just glued to MTV. That's inter- uh At the time, I don't remember feeling that way. But in hindsight, yeah. it sure seems like that. Um, I mean, I get what you're saying, but like certainly Friends, Melrose Place a little bit, uh, Party of Five, uh, not the X Files, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I kind of get I what mean, you're you, saying. Like Dawson's Creek, Felicities, you know, and then you go to uh, kind of a younger demographic with Sabrina the Teenage Witch or Buffy. You know, yeah. th- those were definitely all aimed because they all had strong female characters in them. Yeah. So, so how could it be explained why the Flaming Lips performed at the Peach Pit on 90210? <laughs> oh, a lot they of performed, bands. <laughs> she don't use jelly. And like one says to the other, is this the Flaming Lips? Well, certainly not Michael Bolton. And then like Ian Ziering says like, you know, I'm not really into this alternative music stuff, but they rock the house. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, it's just so interesting to see. <laughs> The flaming lips in that, you know, we're talking like uh, tr- uh, transmissions of the Satellite Heart era. So that when they were a four piece and, you know, Wayne Coyne didn't think like, you know, everything that he recorded needed to be heard. Um, and like Stevens playing drums and like yeah, Michael has a full set of hair. <laughs> you know, it, that's a very time capsule kind of thing. So. Oh, yeah. And that what you got bare naked ladies were in that show. And I, oh, yeah. There are a whole bu- whole bunch of other bands and then I, that kind of transitioned into a lot of bands appearing in the next decade on like um the oc, OC the oc yeah. yeah yeah a lot of bands those soundtracks were huge season. yeah yeah because like wasn't like death cab for cutie like worked into the show oh yeah it was a kind of like a, a gag it was the um adam brody's character uh seth cohen it was his favorite band was death cab for yeah. cutie so they often yeah. got brought up yeah this is a bit of more of a of a philosophical and specific to a soundtrack, but um, I want to ask each of you guys: Do you think soundtracks of this type work better when they are more inspired by than they are actually part of the show? I.e., they provide sort of a, a maybe an idea of what these characters would be listening to when they were putting on their CD discmen. You know, not when they're not on screen. Um, or do you think that the music should actually be a part of the show in order for it to uh, work as a soundtrack? Um, Joe, I'll start with you. What's your thoughts on that? It's hard to say because you have a show like The Heights, which didn't even <laughs> last barely a season, but had a number one hit single with How Do You Talk to an Angel? And basically, you know, it's a show about a band. So even though they had a huge hit, the show was a huge bomb, 
And uh, so you could say that it doesn't really work towards it. Or you can look at like uh, the Sabrina the Teenage Witch soundtrack, and it's clearly all. There's a couple of decent tunes on it, but most of it's clearly aimed at like teenage girls. And and it's like this is I can the kind of music that teenage girls would be listening to. Things like Aqua and uh, Chumbawamba and Britney Spears and stuff like that. So it, it's hard to say. I, I think um, maybe more in the case of like a show like Melrose Place or maybe even like Buffy. I think the people who were putting those soundtracks together were gearing them more for the people who like the show and like they figured like you like the show you're probably listening to this stuff too or you might like it at least so i think those types of things work better that's why i think the melrose place soundtrack works better it's better than the show was you know because it's definitely i can't i can't watch that show now but back in the day like 93 or so it was total trash tv that uh, people would gather at somebody's house or at a college dorm and like a whole group of people would sit there and watch the show you know it was even worked into an episode of seinfeld was it where jerry take yeah jerry takes a lie detector test claiming like no i don't watch i don't watch melrose place but he failed i mean he just like blows up it's like all right i watch melrose place and then at the end of the episode they watch melrose place and he's like oh i hate that michael he's such a smug guy you know yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it was like 93 94 man everybody i knew was that age in their early 20s we were all watching that it was just total it was total trash tv but like you all watched it you all talked about it the next day and now it's just shit, you know. It's, yeah, I, I, you know, totally crap. But the soundtrack aged pretty well. Yeah, Eric, what are your thoughts on According inspired to... by versus actually being a part of the show? I definitely echo what Joe's saying. I like the idea of hey, if you like the show, you like some of the songs that are featured in the show. Check out this soundtrack. You might also like other stuff that's on here that was a very easy way to get people into artists that they probably wouldn't have been exposed to in any other form or fashion Um, i'm sure that there are people that still go to bill janovitz and say like hey man i never heard of buffalo tom until my so-called life Mm -hmm. and it's just like there's nothing wrong with that uh and also to echo what joe was saying about the heights i mean that was a show about a band and that was actually a show i watched because Growing up in the 80s, I loved watching Kids Incorporated. I mean, it's a it's this teen drama comedy about a band and, you know, with various members coming and going. And so here I am starting to be a teenager in the early 90s. And here's a show about a band that uh, I think if I were to watch another episode now, I would be like, mm, that's not really like any band that I've been in. But <laughs> but I, I do remember like the Mapex drum set that was in there. And like there was this drummer that was having a hard time. And and so like Jamie Walters, you know, the singer of the Heights says like, um, well, you know, you we can have you sit in on the next session for the single man. And, <laughs> you know, like. Those are the things that remind me of the show. But I definitely remember How Do You Talk to an Angel. And by the way, I remember like just singing it around the house. And my mom, who's a Presbyterian minister, just said, you know, how do you talk to an angel? And she just said, you pray. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jay? Uh, I think you need to help me with this one. Give me the what you consider the uh, textbook definition of each of each so, of the inspired by a verse music from. So example would be like Melrose place. I don't think any of those songs were actually used in the show that I can recall. Maybe somebody had a radio on in their, in the apartments that they lived in, but I don't remember any of them. Whereas um, with my so-called life, a lot of those songs were actually used in the show either as background music um, there are like there's actually a, a website you can go to where it lists every instance where there's only what uh, 14 or 15 songs that are on the soundtrack. I don't even know if it's that many, um, but they catalog in every episode where there's a music cue and there's like like five to six music cues in every episode of like people in a car and there's a song on the radio or they're in the hallway and somebody's got a boom box in the hallway or whatnot. So a lot of that stuff was used incidentally on the show. So I'd be, that would be an example of where I think the, the music was more 
woven into the the show than it was with example of like Melrose Place. X Files would be another example. Like none of those songs were actually used on the show. Yeah. It was all instrumental music and you know they were score. just using the brand name of X Files to sell CDs. Right, and, they're trying you know, to make yeah. The songs are all supposed to be yeah, like I mean, creepy and have a, a sci-fi element or a or a horror element or or some aspect to that as a tie-in for like an inspired by, but they're not actually you know part of the show yeah. anyway. And I remember it was it was a big deal about that X Files uh, songs in the key of X because it was the first recording of the first full lineup of the Foo Fighters. Right. Because Dave Grohl had recorded all the instruments except for one guitar part on the first Foo Fighters record. But here was your chance to hear William Goldsmith on drums, Pat Smear on guitar, and Nate Mendel on bass. I mean, like, that alone was a hook for, you know, teenagers my age to just buy the CD. Because, like, Down in the Park was being played on our local alternative mm-hmm. rock station, you know? Yep. So you- is there an example of a good inspired by record? Because I can't think of one. <laughs> I'm going back to that Batman and Robin that we just reviewed where it's oh, man. 90% okay. of you are like, what does this have to do with Batman? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Or it's like something that's playing in a, a, in a scene on a radio. I, I, like, I remember um, I, there's, that, there's that beautiful rendition of Have You Forgotten by Red House Painters that's being played like briefly on a radio in one scene in vanilla sky, you know, that kind of stuff. And so like that would happen on the show. But as far as like a show or like a soundtrack, you know, like inspired by, I can't think of any, the only one that I can really think of is songs in the key of X. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these, like the friends soundtrack only has, I mean, none of, I don't think any of those songs other than the theme song were actually in the show. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a half hour comedy with a laugh track. It's not like they're, gonna bust into i mean stinky cat's not on here so smelly cat or smelly cat whatever that was yeah stinky cat stinky cat stinky smelly cat. cat whatever oh hey we got a new meme to make fun of tim on uh <laughs> twitter about there you go um well that brings that brings up kind of an interesting question too because even though like a lot of these shows had soundtracks when they transitioned, like the the following decade, when they stuff finally started coming out, TV shows on DVD, which happened like in two thousand two thousand one, a lot of times these shows only licensed the songs for like soundtrack release or broadcast release. So mm-hmm. when they were coming out on DVD, you have a show like Roswell where they had to completely change like ninety five percent of the music because they couldn't God. afford to relicense the music. So they had to go back and change all of that. Or you had a show like. Uh, the Wonder Years, what held that up from coming out for so long was the music licensing. It cost yeah. so much that they just couldn't afford to do it. Or I think WKRP was another one where they, yeah. they had yes. to change a lot of the music because they just couldn't afford to do it. And so once like the 2000s rolled around, they actually started working that into like, okay, these are for the show when it's on airing on television and when it comes out on DVD too. They mm-hmm. They started thinking about that, but there yeah. were, you know, a lot of those shows that, you know, they they just completely had to change the music for. Yeah, that's yeah. the sad story about the state and Daria is yeah. like, you know, you would you would watch them on MTV and, you know, they would like here you have Red Hot Chili Peppers music. And there's even that one sketch where where it takes place in um, in a department store where the bass r- intro from uh, the Breeders Cannonball is this great like joke. But it just doesn't work where they had to redo the music because of licensing reasons. And um, I, and I also remember when they originally put out uh, the, like the first couple of seasons of Beavis and Butthead on DVDs yeah. is that they had to take out all the videos and they and like from from the actual episodes and put them on like a separate disc and they could only license just a few of them. And I remember when they rebooted it a number of years ago, like like Joe was saying, is that. They they worked it into the deal where it was okay for them to use like stuff from Jersey Shore or using this video, but like I think Beavis and Butthead is that show is held up so well. It's even funnier now. But I also love watching them watch videos, whether it's a Pantera video or um, or a Pat Benatar video, or hey, that's how I was introduced to Jawbox. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of bands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just want to interject with this. I just am curious. Do any of y'all remember the show Class of 96? Yes. Okay. No, what was that? It was a show on Fox clearly yep. going after, if you like Beverly Hills 90210, then you're going to like Class of 96. And there was this one scene that they kept showing in the commercials for it where it's this guy is, just moved into the dorm. His next-door neighbor is playing really loud music so he's banging on the door saying hey shut up hey shut up man and then he opens the door and he sees that it's a guy that's much bigger than him and he's like hey is that the new metallica cd with bonus tracks <laughs> i'm just curious if y'all remember this no. this is just another yeah. thing that that sticks out for me about like 90s stuff yeah, 90s tv shows with music that, that clearly did that... not sound like metallica that was another one that only maybe lasted a year. I want to say it Correct. was on in 1993 or four. Yes, from January to May. It was, a, it was May. actually a, a pretty decent show from what yeah. I remember. But a lot of the actors who were on that either ended up on, like, like we have like a Jamie Walters. When the Heights ended, he ends up on 90210. Not the same yeah. character, but, you know, they, they kind of use some of those same actors in other shows. In fact, I think one of the kids who was starring in class of 96 it also had a recurring role as some other character on 90210 and yeah jason, jason like gedrick later yeah. was on uh murder one and boomtown and yeah. you know he's 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 working i do not remember that he's show not justified at all. that's crazy but yeah. I, I remember they would play decent music they would play like toe the wet sprocket and and stuff like that on the show i definitely remember hearing uh that like walk on the ocean was definitely a song i remember them playing on that show yeah Hmm. Kari Wura was on it, who was also in the TV yep. show. Was it Sliders? With uh, yes, later, with, yeah, yeah. That was a uh, yeah. That was a good show with um, Jerry O'Connell. It was like yeah. the cheap version of and Quantum of course, Leap. Yeah, yeah. and also you got to remember, like, too? oh yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the spinoffs that would happen because of sitcoms, right? Um, right, you know. Or or hour long shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You had Angel. Um, right. You had Party of Five spin off to Time of Your Life with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh Hewitt. my gosh, I can't believe that. Yeah. You remembered that. Yeah, which well, the reason why I remember it is that I swear that Jimmy Eat World's Lucky Denver Mint was the the title uh theme for that. So it's like my my roommate, who's the one that was all about Dawson's Creek and Party of Five, you know, he watched that show. And so every week I would perk up when I would hear a Jimmy Eat World song. I was like, hey, yeah. awesome. I'm going to I'm going to jump in sort of on that kind of riff in a second but, and say that um, the Party of Five soundtrack that they released is absolute crap compared <laughs> to the music that they actually played on that show, which is this is going to tie into um, the Caulfield show you guys just did. Uh, the first one of the first times I ever heard them was they played Hannah. I locked you out appeared in an episode of party of five. Huh? And huh. They, they used to play much better music than the shit that's on this. And that's <laughs> here, here, here's an example of like not fitting your audience. Like the, the stuff that they put on the soundtrack is for like 30 year olds. And this was a show that was watched by 20 somethings or teenagers. Right. And they yeah. told, Aside from the Bodine song, everything else is like, this is not your audience. It's probably why the soundtrack did not sell at all. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense in the context of the show at all. Are there any particular tracks that you think should be highlighted that did not appear on any albums? Maybe they ended up as a B-side somewhere else, um, but for the most part have been buried on these soundtracks for so long like uh, there were a number of paul westerberg songs apparently yeah. there were a lot of guys who were coordinating these music soundtracks that really like paul westerberg because he appears like on at least three of these i think i think he's on the he's got two songs on the friend soundtrack and then he's got one on i think the melrose play soundtrack Melrose, yep um and those are all good songs um well wonder what you guys thought jay i'm gonna start with you this time uh standout tracks from any of these records I like the the um, I don't know if they're on other records, though, like Back on Me or Overkill, Urge Overkill. Is that on a record? I think that might yeah, be on saturation. saturation. It's on Saturation. The Paul Westerberg uh, Sunshine from the Friends soundtrack. Is that on a record? No, I don't think so. No. All the that Westerbergs was a... were B-sides or unreleased tracks. 
that song really stuck out to me as one that um I don't know. I felt like I've heard that song a million times, but I don't remember ever listening to it. <laughs> Sometimes I, I think if the song's really good, it feels that way. But uh, that was one that stood out. All right. But most of the other stuff was all things I had heard, you know, like the seed song or letters to Cleo or. Right. There wasn't anything like that was new for me on, on these that really stood out. I, like the dinosaur junior track is okay. It's, you know, it's not one of their better songs. Eric, what about you? Song that stood I gotta out. go. I gotta go back to uh, "Down in the Park," the the Foo Fighters version mm-hmm. of it, because I later heard the Gary Newman version of it, and it's pretty good. But there's just something really rocking about that Foo Fighters version of it, and uh, I mean, it's it's just like I still have not watched a single episode of the X Files, but I do remember that song, and I remember the soundtrack, and I remember how people went nuts for that show. And Dave Grohl was actually had a very, very like, like cameo in an episode. It's it's just kind of like um, I think it's great to go back over these soundtracks if you like to collect a lot of B sides, which I think all four of us are all about still doing that. Or there was a time that we would like make a mix tape of like all the songs that weren't on mm-hmm. a, an album. You know, we would do that, or say like we would dub the album, but like ten B sides that we got from like. 10 different soundtracks. I mean, it's like you really want to talk about, Definitely. you know, taking our mo- taking all of our money. It's, it's just like, you know, you had these collectors. It's like, Oh, this one smashing pumpkin song is only available on this one EP. I gotta have it. I don't care if it's crap. I gotta have it. And so like these soundtracks were, were a haven for people like us. So good call Joe. I'm going to go with the the Westberg songs from Friends and from Melrose Place. And uh, like Eric was just saying, yeah, I actually made like my own best of Paul Westerberg before there was one and included those songs. They they actually did put Stain Your Blood in the Stars board on that uh, Paul Westerberg, Besterberg, Best of CD yeah. Yeah. later, later, much years later. But um, I, I like both of those tunes and Sunshine. Um, I like the Buffy the Vampire theme from Nerf Herder still. It's just like a short little instrumental intro, but it still rocks. And one of the only good songs on an otherwise crappy soundtrack, uh, Matthew Sweet's cover of Magnet and Steel on the Sabrina the Teenage Witch soundtrack is really good and actually has uh, Lindsey Buckingham playing lead guitar on it who produced the original Walter Egan version. But it's a pretty good cover. I just got to say, guys, I'm surprised we've made it this far without mentioning Edwin McCain's I'll Be. Oh, God. <laughs> Why is that surprising? Because, <laughs> like, man, I couldn't escape that song. <laughs> you know, it was it was just like, oh, oh there was. Yeah, you, yeah, I mean, it was it was like, you know. It was it was featured yeah, according to Wikipedia featured during a pivotal moment in the first season finale of the hit WB series Dawson's Creek, and like for the rest of that show, coupled with "I Don't Want to Wait," which was used as the theme song. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like you want to talk about girlfriend music in the '90s? It was definitely "I'll Be." Well, and Dawson's Creek is also responsible. Correct me if I'm wrong. For "Kiss Me" by Sixpence None the Richer. Right. Yep, which is another yep. <laughs> I mean that that's a trifecta of earworm uh annoyance between those three <laughs> songs. 
Well, and it, did, did I may have just missed this, but Paula Cole's "I Don't Want to Wait," right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah, I just said that. Yeah, because that. Oh Jesus! They even had that joke on the um, MTV Movie Awards where Samuel Jackson comes in instead of uh, they did a whole scene with that. There was this whole skit that was hilarious where he comes in at the end and just smashes the radio up and says like, "I don't want to hear that damn song again anymore." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of things we haven't talked about, gentlemen. We have gone this almost hour, and we have not talked about the most important uh, collection of songs, which have been from the 1990 series Cop Rock. Oh, my God. All music all the time. Let's be careful out there. <laughs> oh, I've watched that so many times. I'm like, this was on primetime television on abc abc but it was the whole thing of steven bochco the man behind nypd blue hill street blues and you know and he did cop rock which like had cheryl crow in it actually oh did it yeah cheryl crow was in it wow yeah i mean and uh carl anderson if I'm remembering it correctly, because he's the guy that did the duet uh, Friends or Lovers uh, in the 80s. So I'll be your friend. I'll be your lover. Um, he's in an episode of Cop Rock, and I believe he's the one that sings he's guilty. Yes, I know a little bit way too much about Cop Rock than I'm proud to say. But, hey, it was just I, I just will watch clips on YouTube. I'm like, this was really a show on ABC, and it lasted a number of episodes. Eleven. These days, 11. And they just put out the complete series like last year on DVD. I mean, it's just like, it's appallingly bad. It's (laughs) astounding. It's like you take this dark, yeah, you take this dark police matters and you, you put like, you get like Randy Newman to sing the TV theme. And it's like, you also have Jim, Jim Steinman-esque kind of melodies uh, being, you know, just happening in the middle of an episode at multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a bad acid trip. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's almost unbelievable that it happened, but it did. So, uh, everybody should go out and, and watch <laughs> at least five minutes of it to just take in how awful yeah. it was. All right. So let's wrap up with your choice for the best TV soundtrack of the 90s, this is the one that you say, if you're going to listen to one TV soundtrack, this is the only one you need to listen to. Joe, I'm starting with you. Joe, what's your pick for the TV soundtrack of the 1990s? I, I couldn't break it down to one. It's a tie between either Melrose Place or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I like both of them equally. Okay. Melrose Place or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Eric, you, what would you say? I'm going to go with uh, My So-Called Life. Because okay. you want to talk about music that was definitely for teens, but not just for teens, and the music has still held up really well. I'd go with that. All right. Jay, your pick? I'm with Eric, my so-called life. Um, I did like the Buffy soundtrack a lot. It's just it's too long. Yeah, I will give you that. So I, I, I like my so-called life. I think it holds together like as a record and there's some pretty good songs on it uh i'm going to pick the melrose place soundtrack because that was the biggest surprise but also i think it's super strong i, I also like the friend soundtrack uh, mostly because even though i, I think I, i've come around on that rembrandt song like i kind of didn't like it back in the 90s because i thought it was annoying and now i kind of can appreciate it for being just like kind of a good power pop song and yeah Maybe if it hadn't been associated with the show, I wouldn't have disliked it as much because it got overplayed and I had to listen to it every week. So, but I, I think uh, in terms of the the soundtrack and the, the you know overall, I I kind of like that uh, friend soundtrack. So, yeah, there we have it. We have discussed the TV soundtracks of the 1990s. I think we've covered pretty much all of them that you can cover. Uh, we didn't. Can we didn't cover? Can well, I just go ahead? Can I just interject with one thing? Yes. Do y'all remember the right before the series finale of Seinfeld? What song was being played? Do we no all idea. remember that? Nope. Oh, 
Nope. Good good riddance, time of your life by Green Day. I mean it's like it's it's like such an emblematic moment of it, of that show. I didn't watch Seinfeld. Uh didn't care for it. Really? What? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like Seinfeld. I still don't. Oh my god. I'm with you, Tim. <laughs> I didn't like I any of the characters. Seinfeld. Did I didn't get it at first, but I now understand it's like, wow, these characters are mean and horrible people. Yeah. But it seemed like that show really tapped into like the horrible side in all of us. <laughs> it's like they're doing stuff that we wish we could do. Yeah. Or that, say that we've done that we're not proud of. I think that's But yeah, why I, I mean it's like, like it. I think of Oh, okay. That, well I, I this, just think of I just think of how Green Day was used in that moment. I was like, this is cool. I think to this day I've maybe seen three entire episodes of Seinfeld. That's it. I own the entire series on DVD. <laughs> I got it like year by year it came out. <laughs> I was that much of a fan. We didn't touch on it very much. Uh, Beverly Hills 90210 and The College Years, those are terrible soundtracks. The music Awful. is mostly <laughs> unlistenable. And um, they have nothing to do with uh, any of the other soundtracks that we've really mentioned. It's just a lot of like bad pop music. It's oh God! Yes, it's, it's really bad. Um, um, think you're I, talking like "Color Me Bad" and Vanessa Williams. Yes. And, oh Jesus, it's terrible. Very yeah. Jeremy it's Jordan. Very, <laughs> yeah, it's very emblematic of like what was popular in say 1990 versus what was popular in 1991. Yeah. Right. Good yeah. call. Um, here's a very obscure reference, but I know that you guys would appreciate this. This was just like a made for TV movie about the dangers of doing drugs as a teenager. But I remember watching it in health class and I'm not shitting you, but during the part where this guy's like, he's totally wasted and walking around a pool and about to fall down and pass out. What is playing Catherine wheels way down and not just the song, the video. So you see Rob Dickinson show up and I was like, oh, my God, this is like I think it was on ABC or Fox. And I was like, shit, they're playing a Catherine Wheel song in this made for TV movie about the dangers of doing drugs and alcohol. That's a that song's a little on the nose for that, don't you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to share that with y'all. It's like I know it wasn't a series, but it was just like the whole thing of using music in in a show was like, OK, all right. That's hilarious. I did not know that. I'm going to have to YouTube that now. I have tried to find it, and I was not able to find it. It's not on IMDb, but I swear that's what happened. Because, like, here I am in health class, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a Catherine Wheel video in this movie. want to say thank you to Joe and Eric for joining us for this lively discussion of TV soundtracks of the 1990s. You can find Joe at Sit and Spin with Joe on twitter and you can find him and his vidcast on youtube joe what's and currently facebook and facebook where and now uh instagram too now oh and insta your insta yes just this week <laughs> welcome to insta i finally, I finally caught up to instagram so <laughs> um yeah. i follow it <laughs> so this episode will be out as of uh let's see the sixth and then the th so the 13th so what would be going on around the 13th of uh, of June with Sit and Spin? That's a good question. Um, it all is going to depend on what's out that week, uh, what's coming out new for music, and I can't even remember what's coming out. Uh, probably near or around that time, I might be talking about that uh, vinyl reissue of Catherine Wheels from Ment. Oh, yeah. It's coming out the week after. Beautiful. So. I've already pre-ordered that. It's on the way. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Grubbs, at underscore Grubbs on Twitter. We mentioned earlier, themeparkexperience.blogspot.com. What are you up to these days? Um, lately, I have been writing a lot of stuff for the Dallas Observer, um, and that's that seems to be like what I'm spending a lot of time with. I haven't podcasted a lot this year, but I am going to get back into it uh, pretty soon. Uh, it's just more of a matter of sometimes like somebody's available and then that person's not available for like another month. So, so still doing that. The, do you know who you are podcast? Uh, you know, just all preparing to get married in November, which I'm super excited about. I met my fiance. Congratulations. Thank you. I met my fiance through podcasting. And so it's, you know, 
lots of good things are happening. It's it's just I've been very busy with lots of lots of fun things. It's just as far as like consistency with like doing my blog or doing a podcast. Uh, it's it's kind of like if you do like my writing, just go to the Observer page, <laughs> DallasObserver.com. So. Excellent. And want to remind people if you liked what you heard on this show. Head on over to iTunes, leave us some positive feedback. You can join us at Patreon, we mentioned earlier, patreon.com forward slash dig me out. And that's it for Jay, as well as our guests, Eric and Joe. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com.